Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We have a special guest today, and Michelle, she's losing her voice, as you can notice from the last episode of our podcast. So we are here with Dang. He is coming to us. He's come and he's joined as a special guest before. So the voice might sound familiar. He is here to talk more about the talent acquisition realm. We've been talking a little bit about over this last series, the pros and cons of outsourcing anything within the HR realm. And today we're going to talk about talent acquisition. We're going to talk about well-being, what's going on with our workforce. It's been pretty intense, dang, since we last connected, hasn't it? I mean, it's just been like a whirlwind and it just keeps improving as far as discussions for us because... We're going on level like 35 of Jumanji in 2022. Like there's just things thrown at us left and right. Yeah. Well, Maria, appreciate you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, a lot has happened. I think the last time I was here was roughly a year ago. So like you said, tons have happened. The landscape of HR, talent acquisition, wellness is kind of like a big imperative now. Tons to talk about. So where do you want to start? Oh, gosh. You know, before we get into recruiting or talent acquisition, I know people interchangeably use different phrases to really talk through that. But let's talk a little bit about how things are really impacting overall. You and I have both changed careers or, or I guess, positions into elevating our careers and moving forward over the last year. And I think what's really important and what's really critical is there's a lot of key decisions that come in into changing organizations. And I think organizations are always challenging themselves and like, why? Why did someone leave? Let me do exit interviews. What's going on with my workforce? What do we need to keep in mind? You know, there's a bunch of components that you have to consider when you're assessing exit interviews. You have to read between the lines on why someone's leaving, but you also have to understand like what you are doing or you're not doing. And one of the things I pride myself on over the last several years is assessing organizations and employees within those organizations over benefits and wellness and their well-being. And I think what's really critical is to have some sort of checkpoint, whether it's a pulse check, whether you're connecting with them one-on-one, surveys, whatever it is, to really figure out how people are feeling because you can't start implementing change that people can adapt to unless you understand the ecosystem in your current environment. What are your thoughts on that? I'm glad that you brought that up. Two weeks ago, Gallup just released their state of the global workforce study and their survey. And you know what? 44% of the employees out there reported being stressed, sad, and anxious globally. This is across the board. There's a lot of factors that happen to that. One of the major ones is what? From 2020 to 2021, COVID death went from 1.9 million to now like 3.5. That's going to add to that. And then we'll also have inflation now. There's a war going on. There's tons of things, that factors that are adding to this. So the study that just came out by Gallup is really eye-opening because now executives need to have some sort of dashboard to measure. Like how can we look at wellness more than just kind of like a town hall meeting or some sort of HR meeting that just hoorah and join. We actually really have to look at it and say, hey, how can we improve wellness and well-being with all our employees? Those numbers are so outrageously low for the dissatisfaction and how much stress is going on there. And it's probably a ton of different components, which is 
tied to COVID or tied to a number of different initiatives. I mean, even during COVID, there were stay-at-home parents. We had different types of affinity and ERGs and like one of them is the working parents group. And like you see different things of individuals like who had kids in their backgrounds trying to work and they're like, stop, stop. Like I'm on a conference call and you know, different stressors of having to teach them at home while they were trying to work at the same time simultaneously. So now they're teachers as well. And not just parents, right? A bunch of individuals with different components. Some people couldn't turn off their laptops. Hey, if I'm going to be stuck at home for weeks at a time, I might as well just work to keep me distracted so I can socialize with people. Just a bunch of different components. And so I think there was a heightened elevated of stress in the workforce. But I think there were some premises in businesses that they kind of set the bar there like, oh, you're going to work 12 hours now that you don't have a commute or we expect you to answer all day round or whatever it is. And it may not even be from businesses, but employees have put that bar on themselves as well. And I feel like it's just kind of a reset that also needs to be done in a business and an organization of like, How are we functioning? Are we providing enough work-life balance or at least reiterating what we expect from a work-life balance? And then taking a look at a lot of the programs, initiatives, and components that we've put in place to help individuals, not only while they're in the work environment, but like at home. Like if you take a look at Google, they used to have massage therapists that come around every desk and give you like a massage, like de-stress you while you're working. That's not happening at their houses anymore. You have to like rethink about how you get some of these wellness initiatives in a more virtual platform now that more companies are doing it remotely. Absolutely. You just listed off a hodgepodge that created this cocktail of why employees are so stressed. And like you said, it's a lot of factors. Some of it is self-imposed. Some of it is societal. And a lot of it is just the environment as well, too. To your point, now executives and even like frontline managers have to have some sort of dashboard to monitor employee well-being. It's as simple as that, you know? I mean, I have the ERGs, you can activate them. That's a good start. But also, you know, there has to be real measurable programs where folks can take time off and have that balance. What are they doing in these dashboards? Or like, what have you read in articles? Or what are you hearing of people to be able to assess well-being and be able to kind of find out how they're improving that? Probably the most rudimentary and the easiest one is what your time on your computer and then encouraging your staff and your employees to actually take PTO and time off. I think just the way of the workforce has been, a lot of folks haven't been, they just been stacking up PTO and then their hours and they don't be, haven't been using them. That's kind of an easy, simple fix. That's what I've seen. But this problem is not going to be solved overnight. I think HR as a whole is beginning to address this issue and how it's going to look like, you know, in the coming years, because The trend is showing that it has been stabilized, but it is kind of like at that plateau where we're still 44%, almost half of the workforce is just anxious and stressed and sad. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. I feel like we have to do something. I feel like I have to fix this. I'm a fixer and I don't know how to make everyone happy and less stressed in the world. It's more than just my problem, but I kind of want to transition that into well-being in a workforce. You obviously can see this through reviews like Glassdoor and other places from a recruiting perspective, a candidate perspective. Do you think this is really critical for employers to tackle first and foremost, like right away? Is it impacting the recruiting process or do people not find out till 
after they're in the organization and then you see them like dodge out within the first 90 days. Like they're like, oh, just kidding. Like this place is nuts. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's depressed for whatever's going on in their personal lives. Like don't want to deal with this. Like I'm leaving. And then you have turnover and then you're re-recruiting for the same roles. How is this really navigating in the recruiting or talent acquisition space? What's coming up for me right now is there's states that only 22% of the employees are actually engaged at work. So that really makes me think of like purpose and fulfillment in in the workplace. A lot of the coachings that I do and a lot of the clients that I serve through my coaching, they're not fulfilled. This is kind of just anecdotal stories that I have through my coaching practices. A lot of folks are ready to leave because they don't feel fulfilled at work and they don't feel like the work they're doing matters. So I think that engagement stores is kind of reflective of what I've been hearing on the front lines of when I'm coaching, let's say, frontline managers, even executives. I'll just throw this number out there. Let's say if there's five people that I'm coaching, one of them is really wanting to coach like, hey, how do I exit? How do I plan to exit? Or I don't feel happy or fulfilled in my job. So to answer your question, there is going to be some sort of alignment in the role and expectations or else, like you said, it's going to be a revolving door. You're always going to have these roles that are evergreen <laughs> and recruitment teams are going to have to keep recruiting for those roles. Yeah, such a turnover. That leads us into, should we be outsourcing recruiting? So it's interesting topic of discussion because so many companies do this very differently. And as you're smaller... Sometimes it's a lot easier to outsource your initial recruiting roles to get the right people in. There's so many times where I've talked to just a bunch of like headhunters and they're like, yeah, small 50 person firm. They don't have anybody in HR yet. You're going to be the first hire. I'm going to keep recruiting for you. And I'm like, is that the right choice? Then you see larger organizations, more medium to large businesses, and they all do it so differently. So I'd love to hear your perspective on vendor relationships and when is the right time for people to outsource? And then when do you know when the right time is to actually have a position in your organization? For me, I'm a little biased. I'm always going to lean towards an internal talent team than a vendor, right? Because the talent team internally can tell the better story, can facilitate a better candidate experience. It can also have that close relationship with the hiring managers. Whereas a vendor, you have an intake, take a call, and then you're all kind of just going off of that call. To answer your question, vendors should be used as a tool. So I would use vendors whenever there's a really hard position, very niche position. Maybe it's been open for over 90 days and the internal recruitment team can fulfill it. That's when you can probably use a vendor. But for the most part, if a company's on a growth trajectory, whether it's 50% year-to-date or 100% year-to-date, get your recruitment team in, build that recruiting function so you can have a better candidate experience, better tenure. You actually have a professional that's dedicated in finding the best talent. Whereas a vendor, no knock to all my third-party folks out there, love you guys to death. But vendors, they just want to put a body in. You know, It's just getting somebody in. If it fits at the time, good, right? But I don't think the quality is sometimes not there. That's not to say all third-party recruiters operate under that assumption. But from what I've seen, there is a quality issue there. Well, too, when you go on the vendor route. 
Yeah, it just depends. I think depends on the roles too. I know that there's so many times where you were boards hired to outsource their C-suite positions to jumpstart that. I think that makes sense initially when you're trying to like grow that out and you have no idea where to go. Absolutely. Like you say, for the very niche role, board level, C-level, yeah, go ahead, go outside. Maybe in tech, maybe some very niche roles in like cloud security or whatever then you can do that. But if it's kind of like IC roles, maybe up to the, the director level, I think if you have a adequate internal recruiting team, save you a ton of time, save you a ton of resources as well too. And save you also a ton of headaches. There's probably listeners on this call who are saying all tech roles should be outsourced because a recruiter can't handle, like I have 60 open positions for engineers and developers and something else. Like each one can only handle maybe four or five at a time. How do you navigate those conversations when they're so dead set on externalizing the vendors for this? Because they can get really expensive for technology. Absolutely. And it's hyper competitive. And right now the market is is as competitive as ever. So to answer your questions, you got to really look and reflect on your bench strength in your organization and look at your talent team. Do they have the capacity to know how to source those type of candidates? If the answer is no, then you probably have to lean on not just one vendor, but multiple vendors. Because a lot of these vendors these days, I'm just speaking just from my experience, goose egging too. They're trying hard to find the talent just as we are in the internal. So it's not just having just one vendor. You have like two or three just to make sure <laughs> your time to fill is hit. So what do you do when you go into an organization and you find out that they are massively outsourcing their recruiting? What's step one? If they're massively using vendors, I would probably see... Year date, what's the cost? Run a cost analysis there. And then what it costs to bring on like a very senior talent acquisition specialist, some business partner, and then just weigh out your options and then see if, if it makes sense to go internally versus externally. I think that's my initial reaction right now. I think there's more that you can do to make that decision. But for me, yeah, let's say if you're, you're using vendors in the millions or what have you, you're going to have a headache down the line and it's, it's going to be much more efficient to have an internal team at that point. Totally. And I think there's times where it does make sense to outsource. When you have a 20-person company and you tur- and you don't plan on growing and you turn over as like one person a year, what's a recruiter going to do in your company? <laughs> exactly. Might have just one recruiter, but then, then that person might be just twirling their thumbs. So like you said, there's a lot of factors that come into it. The size of the organization, the complexity of the roles, and even by region. I would say use a vendor, let's say if you're a, a US-based organization, but you're looking to expand an APJ or a MIA, yes, go use a vendor out there. It makes sense because somebody from the States can't recruit as well as somebody in a MIA or APAC region. I think there's a lot of factors to go into when you wanting to use the vendor card. Yeah, that's a great point. I was just about to ask about the global side of things. Super important. Super important. What else is of a critical focus, Dang? Kind of shifting priorities and discussion over here. Anything else people should consider from a recruiting perspective when they're having some assessments within their organization? Last time I coined like the great resignation, then now we're in like... Great shuffle or shuffle. Shuffle, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then I think now I'll call this the great rescinding because now like companies are like rescinding offers and... That's a huge trend that's happening in the talent acquisition space. Really? Tell me about that. So not only in the tech space, but just overall, right? Just in the state of the economy right now, companies like the crypto folks, 
Coinbase, Redfin, they've been just been sending offers. And it's just really sad just to see that offers are going out, being rescinded because the way the economy is, the way the market is acting right now, we're seeing major slowdowns, even freezes. That's what I've been noticing too. Just today, companies like Meta would be a good litmus test, right? If a company like Meta or Google is saying that, hey, we're halting our engineering hirings by 30 to 40%, all these other organizations are going to take suit too. Instead of hiring 10,000, we're hiring 6,000 this year. So that is a big indicator as like how the market is acting right now. I mean, you've already seen that with Tesla, like Elon Musk, everybody like listens to his Twitter feed. He's like super popular these days. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> But, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's saying there's going to be like a recession or a downward, like they're doing a 5% cut at Tesla, like or 10% or whatever it was, right? And so they've started cutting workforce. You see layoffs going on, technology space, there's layoffs going on. There's all these websites now and forums for people who just got laid off in the tech space. Like, it's a pretty big deal right now. It was interesting because the economy, we were at a place where it was a candidate's market. For every one candidate or one person, there's two positions that were open. And I think, I don't know the exact percentage now, but I feel like that's come down. Like it's not two, maybe it's 1.7 or 1.5. I still think there's a lot of open positions. I just don't think it's as heavily a candidate's market anymore. Like they're not making the decisions. Like it's now, I think you see every couple of years, like it shifts back. I think it's shifting back to an employer's market as opposed to an employee's market. I think you have the right assessment and a good finger on the pulse too. I would say now it's like 1.2 maybe, you know, with the open roles ratio, we're going off of that analogy. Right now it's a interesting landscape. It's shifting back to the employers. What I'm seeing is, now employers need to have the strongest business acumen as ever. It's been kind of like the last year, it's just been hiring, 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 hiring. People are really bullish about the market, over hire, over hire. And then now this is what happened. You just downsize, rifts, freezes, what have you. And then now employers, you really got to assess like, hey, do I really need to have this replacement or should I allocate this headcount more appropriately? I know instinctually, a lot of hiring managers be like, okay, replacement, just replace. But now it's like, okay, let's take a second and breathe. What can we do with this headcount? Can we get creative? And I think that's the trend that I'm seeing now is a little bit more pausing, taking a step back and reflecting from the employer. I think that's important that you mentioned that, you know, employers are rescinding offers from candidates and or what I'm seeing is that candidates are getting there and then they're getting laid off. And that's just a horrible experience, right? You need to take a look at your business, understand what your future is looking like and prepare for that proactively instead of reactively. And really there's, like we said, a shift in the priorities. I would love to hear, Dang. So now that it's shifting to an employer's market, what do you think about returning to office? How is that going to impact employees, their well-being, as well as the hiring process? Ooh, this is an interesting one. I think that once Pandora leaves the box, you can't bring it back in. But I do notice that a lot of organizations now are making a strong push for the return to office. Elon Musk, 40 hours. Yeah, a lot of the organizations out here in LA and Orange County, there's a lot of heavy push for folks coming back to office. On top of that, there's like COVID protocols and all this other stuff too. But I think the consensus is people still love their remote work. They want, they want to be remote. I think it's going to stick around. I'm curious to what your thoughts are on that. 
I don't know. I think at some point people want to be back in the office, but I think we're like a decade or so away from that. I think it's way too soon for the big push. I mean, to your point, I have noticed that a lot of folks that we made offers to, they stress the importance of, hey, I want to be in an office environment. So there is that discussion happening from the candidate level, right? Folks are like, hey, I need to be in the office. I prefer office. I think there is kind of a mix there. Okay. Okay. Do you think uh, we're going to lose a lot of talent in the technology industry over trying to put them into an office? Oh, 100%. I think especially tech, they love remote work. So, and not just remote work, but like just 100% transparency. Like, hey, this is a 100% remote. A lot of folks, you know, here's a bad trend that I've been seeing in the market. It's kind of like the bait and switch. Job posting says remote, the interview actually it's not remote. We need you here like two or three days in the office. I think that's not going over well too. And I've been hearing a lot of rumblings about that. Yeah, definitely. It's good to be transparent from the beginning if that's your intention. All right. Thanks. So normally what we'd say is give some of our listeners some last advice, but now we've shifted. And so are there any good articles, books, or videos or books on tape or podcasts you would recommend to any of the listeners as far as talent acquisition perspective? If you're a CEO trying to weigh out any sort of recruiting efforts, if you're an HR trying to get this under wraps, or if you're even a candidate looking and applying to places and things that they should consider, like any good resume building books or articles, or I don't know, like, is there anything out there that you've read that you love? Probably not like TA or HR related, (laughs) but you know, I've been just reading a lot more about coaching and consciousness and emotional intelligence. I've been just going back to those type of topics. What's a good emotional intelligence book or coaching book that you have for individuals? You want to like drop a little line on for someone to go add to their library, get on Amazon right now and purchase this book. So the Daniel Coleman book, The Emotional Intelligence, this is kind of like the grail. Oh my God, I just got that book. I'm so excited to read it. So here's the thing. Now there's a shift. It's more about EQ than IQ now. So I think hiring managers and HR folks need to put a little bit more emphasis on emotional intelligence these days, especially in the selection process as well, too. So that's a great book. Another one that I would recommend is from David Hawking. This one's called Power Versus Force. This is more along the line of like coaching, of like taking a look about consciousness and how human consciousness is being mapped out on a scale. Very deep book, very powerful book. I would say this is one of the books that I read and I felt like it changed my life. It could be HR related and it's very powerful. And I would highly recommend this one to your listeners. Wow. It changed your life. You know, that is deep. I feel like everyone right now is like writing that down or they're putting it in their Amazon (laughs) basket. Like everyone needs to go out and get this. Like that's your mic drop for the day. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It's amazing. Fantastic. Well, Dang, thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's always super beneficial when you come on and you're able to talk talent with us. Would love to have you on again if you have any more other insights going on from the talent acquisition realm or anything else. Would love to get you back to for a coaching segment so we can kind of help direct some of our listeners if they're looking for some coaches. Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> love it. Well, thanks, Dang. And until next time, listeners, take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.